This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Mount Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gigillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hello and welcome to Save Your Production of iHeartRadio and Staff Media. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about escargot and snail eating in general. And we are thrilled to do so if you couldn't tell. I am so excited. Snails are so weird and cool and cute and tasty. Yeah. And surprisingly <laughs> present in our pop culture. Yeah. I was thinking about, uh, especially in children's stuff, I guess, but like sure. Gary the snail. <laughs> Whatever that snail is from Moana, I guess he was a snail. Bunches of snails. Yes. Yes. Um, I had escargot for the first time when I was in high school, and my older brother wanted to go to this newly opened French restaurant for his birthday. And as I've said several times on the show, I grew up in a very small town. Mm -hmm. This was exciting news. Sure. Yeah. No, totally. He ordered some escargot for the table, despite my dad's flat-out bewilderment that anyone would want to eat snails. And at that price. Exactly. <laughs> That's really what got him, I think. Uh, he refused to try them, but everyone else enjoyed them. And, I mean, they're drowning in butter and garlic, or at least these particular iterations mm-hmm. and a lot of iterations I have are. Yes, that is the—I think that's the only way I've ever eaten them. It's yeah. It's, like, in garlic butter, perhaps more garlic butter than snail. Right. By weight. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. We—down we, uh, at Disney, we've had snails a couple of times— yeah, so the first time we went to Disney Food and Wine, we got an escargot croissant at France in Epcot. <laughs> at France. 
We got it at France. <laughs> we yes. did. Um, uh, yeah, and when we were at Belle's Castle for dinner, because Annie makes reservations like that, um, <laughs> yeah. uh, we had an escargot appetizer. So tasty. Oh, it was so good. Yeah. I'm so glad you reminded me of that. That was only months ago, mere months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and right before we started recording this, I was looking up a board game I used to play called Snail's Pace Race. And through that, I discovered that snail racing is a real thing. Uh-huh. It's a humorous event <laughs> featuring two or more snails that race, uh, primarily in the UK. And I think the first year it took place uh, was 1999 in London, the first official competition. It was called the Guinness Gastropod Championship. <laughs> Guinness Gastropod Championship. Yes, and it was uh, commentated on by a horse racing fellow, (laughs) like a guy who commented on horse races, John McCurrick. McCurrick. (laughs) Sorry, I'm mispronouncing that. But uh, he started the race with ready, steady, slow. (laughs) And I just found this, like, right before we started recording, and I'm so bummed. I'm glad I found it, but... A whole world awaits. Yeah. A whole world. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to the rest of your afternoon for you, Annie. Thank but... you. <laughs> Thank you. But uh, this this episode is loosely inspired by our cinnamon roll episode because they are sometimes called cinnamon snails. Yeah. And that makes about as much sense as any other topic we choose uh-huh. in the relationship or lack thereof between them. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess this brings us to our question. Escargot. What are they? Well, uh, escargot is the French term for cooked snails. And it's one of those words that sort of like beef that the English language has just widely adopted to mean the cooked version of that thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, a few species of snail are eaten. There's a cornu aspersum, um, otherwise known as the brown garden snail or the common European snail or uh, in French, the petit gris or a little gray. Um, there's another species called helix Lacorum, which is also sometimes sold as petite gris. Anyway, um, then there's also the Helix pomatia, which is also called the burgundy snail or Roman snail. All of these are land snails, uh, land snails, some giant land snails, like the size of your palm, um, are also eaten in parts of Africa. And a few species of marine snails are commonly eaten in Southeast Asia and up into China and Japan, also around Greece and Italy. Right. Mm -hmm. All of these, though— are members of the class Gastropoda, which are invertebrates, including both slugs, which do not grow shells, and snails, which do. Uh, the part of snails that's commonly visible outside the shell is called the head foot because there's a head and there's a foot, but there's not really, like, a boundary between them. So it's just the head foot. Uh-huh. Um, it's muscly on one end and has sensory tentacles on the other end. Um, land snails have a, a mucus coat to keep their bodies moist. And then hidden inside the shell, snails have what's called a visceral hump. What? Um, which is the part of their body that contains most of their vital organs. Um, generally, snails are prepared whole. So if you're eating one, you're eating all of that. You're getting the visceral hump in there. You are. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. Mm. Um, also in the gastropod class are abalone and conch. So if you've had those, congrats. You've eaten snail. I bet some people are like, <gasps> nah, it's fine. You're good. Yeah, they're delicious. Yeah. You wouldn't be good if you ate some types of snails because yeah. not all snails are edible. No, don't just go eating snails willy-nilly. Uh, ch- check it first. Um, get you know, like Read a guide on how to prepare them because you don't want to eat them just out of the wild because they could have some toxins or stuff in them uh, or parasites. So, yeah, <laughs> read a guide. 
when I was uh, little, uh, four years old, my my older brother did dare me to eat a slug. Yeah, and I did eat it for fifty cents because that's all. <laughs> You know, when you're a kid, that that means a lot. A, that's a lot of money. Right? <laughs> uh, and B, you're still here, so you I'm did fine. fine. Yeah. I'm fine. <laughs> but for anybody listening, perhaps don't take that dare from your older brother. Um, <laughs> eating snails is most common in France, United Kingdom, Spain, Greece, Italy, and to a lesser extent, other parts of Europe. People in these areas not only enjoy them while dining out, they make them themselves while dining in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the traditional French preparation involves parsley butter, garlic, and other seasonings, and they are served in shell. They are often quite expensive, or relatively expensive, I suppose, if you're comparing, like, appetizers of a similar size. Sure. In places like Greece or Italy, snails might be incorporated into pasta sauces, which to me sounds amazing. Oh, I know, right? Um, over in Asia, they seem to be most popular in Vietnam, but uh, yeah, there are recipes and menu items from all over that incorporate snails, uh, boiled or grilled, in shell or out, in uh, sweet or spicy chili sauces, in curries or other stews, in black bean sauce. Uh, they're also super popular in Nigeria, um, cooked into a stew with hot peppers and onions and tomatoes. And it's hard to find them fresh in the United States. Um, Most are imported from Europe or Asia, canned or frozen. Like, I'm not sure if I've ever had them fresh. Yeah. Um, But when I have had them, they've reminded me of calamari. Or um, now that I think about it, sort of like a a springy cheese curd, just smooth and kind of chewy tender. Yeah. 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 Um, And yeah, always had them in garlic butter. Uh, Have never really caught much of a flavor of snail due to... Garlic butter, <laughs> right? <laughs> more um, of a texture, yeah, more flavor. of a texture, right? But um, but apparently they can taste a little like vegetal and briny when they're fresh. Yeah, I'm really excited now that we've done this research because I've never had them not at like a French restaurant, right? Yeah, I want every preparation of snail right. possibly available. I'm curious if we went to Beaufort Highway or something and some yeah. Asian restaurants over there if they have these preparations of snails, like Asian preparations or. Whatever, not French preparation. <laughs> right, right, yeah. yeah. Apparently, we just need to go to Vietnam. Oh, okay. Okay, done. <laughs> Easy. I'm convinced. <laughs> You've convinced me. And it was snails that did it. <laughs> Among other things, snails. Oh, heck. Um, and, okay, can I, can I do a snail aside about how amazing these creatures are? Yes. Before we get to the part where people have been eating them for a long time, and this is a little bit gnarly. I'm sorry. They're so weird and great. Um, so I'm going to be brief. But uh, but if any of the following strikes your interest, definitely go looking for the podcast episodes that um, Stuff to Blow Your Mind have done on slugs and snails. Yes. <sighs> okay. Fact one. Snails will eat pretty much anything, um, depending on the species, like each other counts. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some snails are not all herbivores. Um, uh, But when it comes to the species that humans eat, especially in escargot, um, the preferred diet is going to be like grains and greens and soil because you got to get a lot of minerals, including calcium, to build up those shells. Um, When they're farmed or collected, they're given a special non-dirt diet for their final week or so to um, to purge them of any soil or other stuff that humans wouldn't want to eat that's still in their digestive tract, similar to how oysters are treated. Mm -hmm. Um, Washington Post reported that sometimes chefs special order snails fed with things like mint during their purge yeah. to give them that flavor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have to talk about snail reproduction. Please. Okay. So snails are hermaphrodites, meaning that they each have uh, both male and female reproductive organs. 
In order to reproduce, they have sex with a partner in mating sequences that last 4 to 12 hours, during which each partner can inseminate and each can be inseminated. And involved in this process, in many land snail species anyway, are what's called love darts. Ooh. These are spears of calcium carbonate or chitin that a snail will poke out of its body and attempt to stab its partner with, and it's coated in like a hormone mucus— and if it lands correctly and its partner, it will increase its partner's chances of insemination. How romantic. I know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, there's too much about snail sex to really get into here, but we totally look up this stuff to blow your mind episodes. Um, there's My Slimy Valentine, The Slug Life from 2013, um, Weird Wonders of House Gastropoda from 2017, and an interview with a marine biologist from 2019. <sighs> When I was first getting to know Robert, um, uh, he and Julie did that Valentine's episode, and Robert hand-drew this set of slug valentines with crayon, and they're wonderful. I'll see if I can find them to post on social. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I edited that one. That was (laughs) back when I was editor of that show. (laughs) Um, And it was wonderful. And also, I believe I read somewhere that the love darts is where, like, Cupid's arrow comes from the inspiration for Cupid and Cupid's arrow. That might just be uh, wishful thinking on someone's (laughs) or some interesting person's part, but I did read that in at least two places. So that is that is just something. (laughs) It is something. (laughs) Um, And if all that hasn't weirded you out enough, you can also buy and eat snail caviar. Ooh, love it. Apparently, it's kind of earthy and like sweet, like carrots, maybe. Interesting. That's what I've seen it compared with. Snail caviar is not a thing I've ever considered. Nope. Till this very moment. So this is a first I'm experiencing right now. (laughs) All right. What about nutrition? Uh, Snails alone, once, you know, before the butter thing, um, are pretty good for you. Um, They're a great source of protein, low in fat. What is in there is like good fats. They're high in micronutrients like vitamin E, magnesium, and iron. Lots of vitamins and minerals in there. Um, Yeah. They're, they're being investigated for more widespread use as an inexpensive and readily available and nutritious protein in developing countries. They can be more environmentally friendly than larger animals like pigs and cattle and even chicken. Yeah. A lot going on for the snail. There is. Yes. And literally, there is a lot yes. going on. Globally, billions of snails are eaten each year, an annual 30,000 metric tons in France alone. That's 66 million pounds or approximately a billion of the critters, assuming that they're each about an ounce. Oof. According to a 2017 report by NPR, the French delicacy of Burgundy snails, escargot de Bourgogne, no longer come from Burgundy. Nope. Instead, they come from Hungary or somewhere else in Europe and probably Eastern Europe. 100% of them, according to one of their interview subjects, director of the company Croque Bourgogne, um, that company packages 1,000 snails an hour, placing pre-cooked escargot into shells of the right size, and they sell millions a year. There is an Institute of German Snail Breeding. Wow. They take it seriously. Man. My brain kind of stuttered for a minute over that fact. <laughs> they will take you on tours of farms so that you can see how they work. I want to go. I know. Oh, <laughs> I hope someone who's listening is gone and can tell us how amazing it is. Yes. All oh, right. Please. An association that represents 10 industrial food businesses that import burgundy snails into France makes about $87 million. Oh. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. 
Over-harvesting, construction, agriculture, and other facets of industrialization majorly depleted France's wild snail population. There are about 300 snail farmers in France. Combined, they make up 5% of the market, and most of the snails they farm are two of the lesser snails, petit gris and gros gris, little gray and big gray. In 2017, about 140 academic papers were published about endangered snails. They are in all kinds of trouble. There's a carnivorous worm called the New Guinea flatworm that's hugely invasive and eats snails and other soil-dwelling creatures like earthworms, which, uh, you know, we don't usually eat, but uh, also really help, like, aerate and fertilize soil in farms and gardens. So it's another agricultural animal. Yes. Kind of, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and snails are also just so sensitive to issues that are affecting all kinds of farmers, uh, climate change and pollution and certain pesticides. Mm-hmm. The U.S. imports a decent amount of escargot from Europe. As of 2018, there are only two USDA-certified snail farms in the United States. This is largely because of the snail's rightfully earned reputation as an invasive species. Oh, yeah. More on that in the history section, but they will eat you out of house and home. Yeah, they will. Uh To the point that it is illegal on a federal level to take a live snail across state lines. Oh, dear. (laughs) What if you have a hitchhiking snail? Oh, man. Is it straight to prison for me? (laughs) Not that I've ever done it. (laughs) Absolutely not. Not that you ever would. Of course. But, yeah. Um, that first snail farm, um, it only managed to get started in 2017 or so after like three years of cutting through red tape. And it is a 300-square-foot greenhouse, um, about 28 square meters, that is. And, yeah, they reported to the Washington Post that although snails can't hear, they're very sensitive to vibration, heat, and light. And if you stress them out, they produce so much slime as a defense mechanism. And it gets really gross really fast. So you don't want to do that. You want to keep them chill. Yeah. Uh-huh. Also, yeah, they have to be super careful not to let their livestock escape into the surrounding countryside because those buddies would wreak havoc on the farms and vineyards. So so they surround the snails' living containers with trays of concentrated salt water so that they would die if they fell into them, right. hypothetically. But just in case the greenhouse has a dead perimeter 12 feet by 12 feet kept free of vegetation, just to be sure. Can't let those snails <laughs> escape. <laughs> and they may have 100,000 snails in there at any given time. Oh, wow. Yeah, vertical, vertical spacing, man. Wow. I love it. I want to see the snail movie of the, the attempted escape from this place. <laughs> the great escape. <laughs> the great slow escape. Oh, yeah. This, can, this thing has legs. I can see. Except it has no except legs. Except it has no legs. <laughs> it has but one foot. But one foot head. Head foot. <laughs> Oh, this is so exciting. Uh, I want to check out that place, too. Yeah, yes. A whole snail tour. Absolutely. Uh, And you can mark your calendars for National Escargot Day on May 24th. Also, there is a yearly festival in Spain. Uh, My my Catalan is probably terrible. I think it's called El Aplec del Caragol. Um, But... It is a snail-centered culinary festival, and it's three days of food and music and acrobats and clowns and snail races, and there's a parade, and 12 tons of snails were eaten there in 2019. And in 2020, it's May 22nd through the 24th, and I want to go so much. That sounds amazing. (sighs) And snail festival! Oh, the timing, by the way, on both of those, uh, the National Escargot Day and this fest, is not a coincidence. Um, Snails are 
sometimes harvested in early summer after they lay their eggs. So that's one of the, like, prime snail harvest times. Well, we are looking for our next destination, (laughs) and we have some months to plan. If anyone has ever been to this or any other snail-related festival, let us know. (laughs) This is extremely important information to my life. It is. It is. (laughs) Oh. Oh. Anyway, um, we do have some history for you. We do. Um, But first, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this, I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back after more discussion off air about snail sex. And you know... Lauren, I think you've got me beat in the uh, interesting facts for the episode. I, you know, I did a lot of reading. Yeah, yeah. Um, I hope that a lot of people asked you what you were reading and you you happily explained to them. I think that there's going to be some really good posts on Twitter later today. <laughs> yes. So if after this comes out, you know, just go back, go back, check those, mm-hmm. all of the illustrations. <laughs> Ooh, illustrations. Yeah. Oh. This is this is a well-researched territory, I will have you know. I'm not the only person who's really fascinated by snail and slug reproduction. If I find out that you've got multiple pseudonyms and all this research is just you, <laughs> I won't tell anybody, but I'm starting to have some suspicions is all I'm saying. Oh, heck. Well, anyway... 
Anyway. We are a food podcast. We are. So I guess I guess let's talk about the food portion. I do love how often we have to remind ourselves and others this is a food podcast. Uh-huh. But that is, in fact, how we are classified on most podcasting apparatus, apparati. Mm-hmm. Sometimes even as cooking, and I'm like, oh, no, no. no, 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 no. Do not take – this Mm-mm. is certainly not a cooking podcast. No. But if that's how we get higher in Apple's algorithm, I'm into it. Yeah. Don't listen to me. You can listen while Show, while, while cooking. cooking. That's a great plan. It is. All right. Well – Anyway, again. Aside, aside. A second, anyway. Um, snails have been on humanity's menu for a long time. Mm-hmm. Historians believe that our prehistoric ancestors counted land snails as part of their diet. Ancient Romans consumed snails, even farming them to stay up to date, up to date, current with demand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, it goes back way further than that. Yeah, it does. Evidence indicates folks in what is now Tanzania have been eating land snails for 31,000 years. People were eating land snails 30,000 years ago in the Mediterranean. New research suggests mm-hmm. snail research. <laughs> The researchers examined snail shells from human dwellings in Spain and learned about how snails were prepared during that time. The ideal snail was a year or so old and cooked over pine and juniper coal embers for around seven minutes. And voila. Oh, that sounds I love good. Ancient snail recipe. Mm-hmm. The study found that a different method was used in what is now Algeria. They would place the snails between two heated stone layers in a hearth pit and boil them. Huh. Yeah. And this discovery contradicts long-held beliefs that the diets of early Homo sapiens were narrow, um, a contradiction that other recent research supports. Hmm. The diets of Homo sapiens were far more varied than we'd previously thought. Fascinating. And, oh no, they used the BP time designation. I'm sorry. Before physics. Before physics. First mentioned in our Rice episode, still gives me anxiety dreams. Oh, oh no. Oh, I love it, but it it's just you want to get things right and it's you a do. whole another, another layer of thinking about time. <laughs> Again, food podcast. <laughs> I bet there's something written about snails and their shells and time as a spiral. And oh, yeah. Lots of inspiration for art. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Yes, and speaking of inspiration, our pal Pliny the Elder, he wrote about snail farming taking place in Italy as early as 50 CE. The Italian man Pliny cited Fluvius Herpinus fed his snails meat and wine, which is indicative of how highly they were regarded. Huh. Damn, snails. Yeah. Get Some it. Some days I don't get either of those things. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> As early as 2 CE, Greek author Galen wrote, all the Greeks eat snails every day. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. For early Greeks, peasants were primarily the ones consuming snails. They were fairly easy to catch and to cook. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I've never really tried to catch a snail. Yeah, they don't put up a whole lot of resistance. I guess you just see one. You and see one and then you pick it up. <laughs> That's it. The chase is over. <laughs> After it barely begun. <laughs> Finding them is the key, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. All right. Vu Hong Lien, author of Rice and Baguette, A History of Food in Vietnam, posits that people were eating snails in Vietnam long before the French were, albeit Mm -hmm. freshwater snails. Um, For those that could not afford to eat a farm animal or, you know, things that took more resources, I suppose, Mm -hmm. snails were cheap and easy. They were and are boiled with lemongrass and then dipped in a sauce. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Snails were viewed as an acceptable food during Lent, and monks kept gardens of them for that purpose. But later, during the Middle Ages, the capital C church considered eating snails unclean. Only the starving ate them, and for a while, the practice of eating snails almost died out in Europe. They were still eaten by poor folks, though. Um, And they would become posh again in the 17 and 1800s in some parts of Europe, I think maybe particularly in Austria, where, yeah, nobles might have had dedicated snail farms on their estates pretty pretty often. (laughs) Um, And they were thought to be, yep, an aphrodisiac and a promoter of male virility. So that's however many topics we've done minus one for aphrodisiac. (laughs) And then lettuce. (laughs) (laughs) Under not an aphrodisiac. Only thing. So far. (laughs) We'll find another one one of these days, I'm sure. Children in Victorian-era Bristol were sometimes told that eating snails was good for their health. It was a commonly held belief in that area at the time that eating snails could cure tuberculosis. Eating snails was a common enough practice that they sometimes were called wallfish. 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 Yeah. Okay. That's a that's another pretty good fact. Like fish that you can find climbing up a wall? I like, guess Like, what's so. the etymology? I love this. I know. It's a wallfish that she blows. <laughs> I'm sure that's how it went <laughs> exactly, down. Exactly, exactly. That escargot de Bourgogne we mentioned earlier, that was popularized in the Burgundy region, possibly by French wine cellars in the 19th century. Huh. In 1898, a French writer and sociolite, Helene von Zoylen purportedly became the first female competitor in an international car racing in the Paris-Amsterdam-Paris Trail. Um, And her pseudonym was the snail. Ah, yeah. Her husband, who was president of the Automobile Club de France, also raced under the name Escargot. That is so sweet. I know. Oh, cuties. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Sources seem to indicate that snails for eating made it to California by the 1850s. Soon after, farmers in California were selling snails next to their crops of fruit and vegetables. The reason that European garden snails are common throughout America is that escargot snails like these escaped from farms and reproduced everywhere. Oh. That is probably the kind of snail, if you've ever seen a snail in America out in the wild, that's probably what it is brought in for escargot first. <laughs> Love it. Um, So, yeah, those farmers might not have been, like, raising those snails they were selling on purpose, but just making the best of a a slimy, slimy situation. Wow. And that is not the only invasive edible snail to plague California. Uh, Later on in the 1800s, a freshwater snail species called the Chinese mystery snail, or the black snail, came into Asian markets in San Francisco and escaped into local waterways where it competes with the local wildlife for resources and its shells can clog pipes. Snails are sneakier than I thought. I know, right? They just get into places. Mm-hmm. I, okay, another movie idea. <laughs> what if there's a movie like Them, you know, with the big ants, mm-hmm. but with a big snail? Ooh. And it's set in San Francisco. Clearly. Yeah. yeah. I'm into That's it. all I've got. No, I like Someone it. Someone else. Let's, yeah, yeah. Let's work on this. <laughs> Take it and run with okay. it. <laughs> And yes, snails are not without diseases, um, and so the U.S. has regulations in place about the safe foraging, farming, handling, and selling of snails for consumption. Mm-hmm. And going back to that Bristol thing, a newspaper article from 1902 describes a lecture given by an Anglican vicar in which he claims that Bristol's poorest would eat snails off the wall. That's perhaps oh, 
oh, okay, it's all coming back. It's all making sense. (laughs) (laughs) In the same area in 1937, a coroner reported that the death of a local man was not due to the fact he'd eaten snails the previous day, as a lot of rumor would have you believe. Well, I'm glad that he figured that one out. Yes. (laughs) 20th century author Patricia Highsmith, who wrote The Talented Mr. Ripley, Two Faces of January, and Carol, among other things, allegedly kept snails as pets and once brought 100 snails in her purse to a party so she'd have something to talk to. A hundred? In her purse. In her purse. At a party. Mm. Sure, yeah. I suppose. Also, not go to the party. Stay home with your snails. (laughs) But if you're trying to get out there. Sure, that's true. A hundred snails, though. Right? This this is what's upsetting, or this is what's, like, incredible to me about the situation. Not that a woman would bring snails to a party— because they would be a better conversation partner than the other people there. Right. I feel that. Uh-huh. But a hundred. I'm like, that's overkill. <laughs> yeah. That, then you're just stressing yourself out with the snails. Right? Or maybe it was so the snails could talk to each other. Oh. I don't we'll know. We'll never know. Nope. We'll never know. Guess not. In response to declining snail populations, France enacted a law in 1979 that placed restrictions on commercial collection of wild snails. Huh. This led to an increased dependence of the French on foreign imports of edible snails. A handful of snail farmers came together in 2013 to petition that packages of snails indicate where they came from. The concerns in this petition made it up to the French parliament. It got all the way to the French parliament. In the end... This labeling was deemed optional. Ah. Yeah. So, you know, snails from France or what have you. Yeah. 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 Well. A lot to be said about the world of snails. There there is. There is. It's all delightful and strange. Yeah, I know. And I feel like there's so (laughs) many things we could talk about even even more detail. Oh yeah, yeah. Um this is this is kind of focusing in on on a particular yeah, region and dish, but I want to do, I, I just want to do the snail show from now on. The snail show? Yeah. I like that. Snail stuff. Snail stuff. <laughs> Inside the snail shell. Lauren Vogelbaum. <laughs> Love it. All of your news updates on snail coverage and snail sex that you could ever watch. Uh-huh. A oh, daily think podcast. Of the updates you'd get on your phone. Right? See... I think we have a lot of ideas in here <laughs> that could be we do. expounded upon. Absolutely. And become works of art themselves. Yeah, for further development, you know, mm-hmm. into it. Well, um, I guess that's all we have to say about snails today. Today. Uh, we do have a little bit more for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but first, we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. 
Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins. Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with... Slow. We already did the spiral for the cinnamon roll. We did. We did. Um, uh, I, I want you guys to know that Annie did some some really useful um, uh, tentacle hands uh, <laughs> yeah. at, the, at the end of at the end of that for for the eye stalks. I did. It's I did. Very visually representative mm-hmm. on this our audio medium. I think it communicates. I think you can hear it. Yeah. Maybe that's just in my head. <laughs> but it helps my process, my artistic process. Oh, there you go. That's the important part. Thank you. <laughs> Brian wrote, I graduated from Georgia Tech, go Jackets, in 1988 and moved to Illinois and then Massachusetts after that. But I loved my time in Atlanta. I feel like I'm listening to old friends from the past when I get a new episode, especially now that you're working in a building I remember on Ponce de Leon. First, I'm a bit embarrassed to admit that one of my children, like Annie, had their first New York City pizza (laughs) at a Sabaro. (laughs) One of them is allergic to peanuts, so we have to be careful about where we eat, usually sticking to national chains that we know are likely to take allergen awareness seriously. So when we got to NYC just before lunchtime in August and went looking for food, the first safe thing we found was a Sabaro. It wouldn't have been my first choice, but I have to say it was by far the best Sabaro pizza I have ever had. There you go. I don't know if they feel like they have to up their game in New York or if the crowds a block from Times Square means they sell enough pizza that it's always fresh. Either way, it was a decent lunch. Second... I'm glad to hear that Let Us Surprise You is still open. (laughs) I have to disagree with Lauren's lack of enthusiasm for it. (laughs) To be fair, I wasn't there for the salad. Mm, Oh, fair. (laughs) Yes. 
As a hungry college student at the time, all you can eat soup and muffins were just the thing. I have fond memories of ending up uncomfortably stuffed because I couldn't stop myself from eating just one more chocolate chip muffin. But the real point of this message is to share a story from several years ago in the Boston Globe. When I first read this article about Mike Dukakis's habit of saving turkey carcasses to make soup, he immediately became my hero. My family has always had a similar tradition of using Thanksgiving leftovers for everything we can think of, including soup. It's still my goal to make the gravy last as long as the meat so I can finish up the last of it with one final hot turkey and gravy sandwich. Oh, yeah. Sounds good. Mm -hmm. And I always make a batch of soup from the carcass. It used to annoy my wife that it took up a bunch of space in the freezer, but the peanut allergic daughter loves it, and we know it's safe, and so she has to let me. (laughs) (laughs) She stopped complaining when I showed her the follow-up article He got um, Dukakis 27 turkey carcasses the year that article was published. (laughs) Compared to that, one batch of soup in the freezer doesn't seem so bad. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. Well, duly noted, I guess. I know. I have a lot of ideas. Also, I have an update. Probably not sad, but maybe I believe the Sabaro on Times Square is closed. (gasps) Oh, no. Yes. I didn't make a note of it either way the last time that I was there. <laughs> oh, okay. I was there a few weeks ago, but um I think it was really recent. Oh no. Or maybe they just announced they're closing and they haven't closed huh. yet. I heard it through some circles. Well, well, we hardly knew ye. Farewell. Times Square <laughs> Sabaro. <laughs> oh, and yay, Atlanta high fives. Yes. Um Esther wrote I just listened to the turnip and onion episodes back-to-back, and it put me in the mood for some roasted root vegetables. I couldn't find turnip at my local store, so I had to settle for beets, which once cut stain my cutting board, hands, and everything else they touch. The last veggie I cut up was the onion. While chopping, I thought about the chemical reactions you explained in the onion episode. I found it fascinating. When I removed one half of the onion from my cutting board, I realized that the onion juice had taken the majority of the beet stain out of the cutting board. I have no idea if there's any science behind this, but it sure worked better than Dawn dish soap. I even rubbed it on my hands to get the bright pink color off. I just had to share. Fascinating. I've never heard this, but that's great. So so this is like a multi-step process I'm envisioning, like like onion to get the beet off. Yeah. And then like coffee grounds to get yeah. the onion smell off. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. That's so cool. We've had a lot of people write in about onion doing some pretty neat things. And and I, as someone who has had this beat problem before, sure. I'm very interested to know if that's the case. Yeah. Yeah, there's maybe follow-up onion science episode. <laughs> follow-up onion science. Or we'll visit it in the beat episode. Oh, there you go. Many options available for us. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> and if you would like to contact us like these two listeners did, and thank you, yes. there are many options available to you as well. And one of them is email. You can email us at hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at saverpod. We do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio and Stuff Media. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thank you, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. 
So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.